Welcome to the After 30 Podcast. I'm your co-host, Anise, and today's episode is about redefining your creativity in your 30s. Creativity changes as we get older, where once it was a natural part of how we functioned as kids, and now we go searching for it. It becomes a way by which we connect with friends, a way we connect with children and slow down, and for some, creativity is an integral part of work. In other words, creativity is redefined in every step of our lives. We have with us today Sarah Schwab, founder and president of Content Creation Coach and the author of the Amazon number one best-selling book, Content That Dances. Sarah is also the host of podcast Inspired and Amused, a podcast which tells stories of ordinary people who make space to have creative passion in their life and be extraordinary. We'll talk with Sarah about exploring different creative outlets, connecting with your inner muse, overcoming the hurdles to expressing yourself creatively, and keeping the flow of creativity going. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> yeah, we're very excited to have you. Uh, it's a very interesting topic because I was at literally telling Tabitha two weeks ago how I'm feeling so low about my create my creative energy, and I feel very deflated by that because for me, creativity is like one of those things that I rely on to function. It's one of those things that makes me feel like I'm an individual. And for me, it just actually just gives me so much joy. Yeah, It's a direct one-to-one relationship with your happiness where if I'm not feeling creative, I automatically know that's affecting my mood and not feeling as happy. And sometimes, like I often wonder about the causality there, you know, feeling down or sad or depressed or whatever, it feels like it's harder to be creative. And also- when I'm not being creative or when I haven't, you know, made the choice or taken the time or, you know, prioritized creativity, I often then feel down or, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. It's almost like they, it's a mutual, mutual relationship. Do you know what I mean? It is. Absolutely. 100% it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with this layer of the pandemic and how overworked we've been, I think there was just a couple of days where I actually couldn't do anything. And those are the days that I use to regenerate or days that were used for rest. So I think like, also I'm very impatient. I have to rest and then you have to get your creativity going based on how depleted you are or not. Right. But I think you're bringing up something really interesting because we're probably, a lot of us have felt this, if not recently at some point in the last year around feeling really stuck creatively and like, Hmm. what do you do? And Sarah, super keen to hear what works for you or what works with some of the people you've worked with to get over some of those hurdles. Well, so it's funny that you bring that up. The pandemic, you know, I think people reacted in a number of different ways, sometimes all of the different ways, just on a different day or a different week. (laughs) For me, there were for sure ups and downs, but I found it to be an opportunity to really get creative because you had to look at things differently. You had to approach things differently. You had to try things differently mm, than you. That's true. I actually really loved that part of it. And there's a fun story. So I'll tell you my pandemic mm. accomplishment, which was again, totally just a fun aside is that my family started a band. <laughs> oh my God. The little Rankin family. You guys are so cute. How many of you guys are in the, in the band? My husband plays guitar. My middle son plays bass guitar. My daughter plays ukulele. My youngest 
started off playing some drums, but he's actually now our producer behind the camera chatting with everybody. <laughs> and oh I percussion and sing, sing some backup harmonies. So oh my gosh, Sarah, that's incredible. <laughs> Good for you. That's amazing. Well, I think you're absolutely right that with the pandemic, when you're faced with challenges and you're kind of faced with a shakeup. Uh-huh. We've had this crazy scenario that we have never been through. It actually reminded me of like my first job when I used to be in oil and gas. And it was a similar sort of thing in the sense that when prices absolutely tanked, it did force us all to get creative. In our jobs, everything that we were doing, we couldn't just go business as usual. I really love what you're saying because For me, I owned a travel agency, right? And I had to close it down. So in some ways, I I agree that you have to sometimes uh, change, but there are also some things that you have to say goodbye to, you know, and because it's just, it's just not possible to be creative around those things. Well, and so if we go back to overcoming hurdles when you're stuck creatively, because I totally understand this feeling. I am a brand strategist and I'm a creative director. So I know when... I have the feeling that I'm stuck and I can feel it because I'm working on something that sometimes it's going to take me five minutes and it's all come together. I feel like artists know this, you know, when you have something a lot of the time, you might have to tweak it a million times. Like writers tweak things a million times. Painters might work on things a million times, but you also know when you're headed in the right direction, but Mm. very clearly you also know when you're not, you know, when you're stuck. And I even felt it two days ago, I was working on something that should have, you know, in theory, taken me 15 minutes and it took me an hour and a half and I was still hating it, you know? So (laughs) what do you, what do you do there, Sarah? Like, what are some of your tips on how you get over that kind of creative stump? Absolutely. Well, and part of it is to embrace the fact that that's part of the journey. Unfortunately, there's no magic solution where, I mean, this isn't, math where you sit down and you get the same right answer every time with creativity. Sometimes you're going to sit down and it's going to click and it's going to flow and you're going to feel inspired. And sometimes you're not. And unfortunately, like there isn't really an answer for that. But what I would say that hurdles for adults, especially, you know, we hit quote unquote adulthood. And Mm. the biggest one to me is people have what I'll call perfectionism. Their expectations mm. are really mm. high. You know, they want it to be good right away. They want it to be perfect. They don't want to embarrass themselves. You know what I mean? And part mm. of the process is being willing to just try stuff that might not work, that probably won't work, that you just be willing to put it out there and let go of your expectations, which I know is really hard for people. But if you can create a culture like that, for yourself, first of all, you know, lower your expectations for yourself, but especially if you're on a creative team to yeah. say, let's just throw some stuff out and it's going to be crazy. And maybe something cool is going to come out of it. Cause sometimes I find that's when the best stuff happens anyway. Oh my God, Sarah, this is so up my alley. I love this so much because when you think about like how structured work can be on a day-to-day basis, right? You just think of function and when you kind of just let that go, letting the the creative aspect be its own thing. So it's like actually separate from who you are, you know? And when we are not so intellectual about it, it can flow freely, you know? And I love, 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 love that aspect. I love this too, but I think I see it from two sides because I have had the incredible pleasure and joy of being able to do a lot of creative things on the side of my main job. You know, like I always used to be a dancer 
And uh, Anise and I have this podcast on the side, you know, this is not our main gig. So I think mm-hmm. when you have something that's on the side and it's not your main livelihood, there's not as much pressure that you have to be hitting, like getting something exactly right. But when it is your livelihood, I think there's a different level to that. Like just as you were saying that, you know, you throw it out and you try again. I've worked in many creative teams where you're under deadlines and you can't do that. So, and then it's really hard because if you're in the C-suite and you've got people reporting to you and they're giving you stuff that isn't there, you know, like that's, I think when it's really hard, when your job depends on it, what, and I again asking you like a impossible question because that's not a perfect answer to that, right? But like that's, I think when it's really, really tough on any sort of true creative. Yes. You know, one of the most creative companies out there is Pixar and I have heard their high level people speak before. And it is so fascinating because they throw out so much stuff. They throw out the majority of the stuff that they make. You know, what's so inspiring about that and was, is like such a note is that it needs to come from the top to be able to give enough space to create a hundred things. If you actually only want 10, right. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's like what you're really saying is like the golden key there. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, when you were talking about the expectations, the deadlines, the intellectualness of it, like you have to, you have to create something here now. That isn't, that really isn't the same. Like you said, it's not really who you are. It's just your right. job that you have to do. Whereas when you have a creative passion that you're doing because that's what you want to do. That's what you're called to do. That's what needs to come out of you. That's a whole totally different thing. And I have to tell my dance story. I didn't, I don't even know that I knew that you had dance in your background. (laughs) Yeah, Dance is my favorite personal creative outlet and passion and has been for my whole life. Right. I started dancing when I was like 10 years old and I danced actually all through high school and college, into college, I thought I was going to be a dancer or a choreographer or something. And Mm. somewhere along the line, I decided I didn't want that lifestyle. Me too. Yeah. It's rough. Right. So that you looked at the job professional level of it and it's like, eh. Yeah. It's intense. I I did it for a year and a half and I was like, bye. (laughs) And you know what is interesting is that I had to say goodbye to it because I loved it so much. Same thing. Like I'd been dancing since I was four my whole life. It was all I knew, but I didn't love it enough for it to be my 180%. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and that I think was, is really standing out to me out of what you're saying that like, you do need to love it and it needs to flow out of you so much, so deeply for it. Yeah. Have to be your job. Right. I so, so love this, both of what you're saying. I think it's a really, really great segue into that thing that the both of you are speaking to about it has to flow through you. So that's that inner muse, right? That Sarah, you speak of so much on your podcast. So can you talk to us about ways which we can connect into that? Like, how do we know what we love? <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> where my Where my trajectory went is... I committed to dance, to keeping dance in my life in some way or another. And I got my first job and I was in Chicago and I would dance. I found a a place to dance in the evenings. And then I met and married my husband and we moved up to Milwaukee and I found a place 
to dance there after work. And then I had my first kid and then I had another kid and I was like making it work. And then quite honestly, I, after my second child, I was just right around age 30 is when I stopped. Mm. And I think because of life, right? Because yeah, and I had a full-time job and two young kids and I was supporting, supporting our, my husband through medical training. And it just like, it just didn't, mm. that's how it felt. But then I think for too many people, like that's the end of the story and they don't pick those things back up. And then they just have work and family, right? Work-life balance. For mm-hmm. sure. I think you're right. I think a lot of the time they go into this bucket in our head of like, oh, those used to be the hobbies that I used to do when I was younger. Dance is totally one of those. How many people in your life used to dance? You know what I mean? Like, cause we all did some kind of extracurricular activity. And I think you're right. Life gets in the way and we kind of think we don't need to keep up any of these things, these, these hobbies, I'll say. It totally goes into this category where you just don't think you almost need it anymore. And for some people it was sports or whatever that looks like, but it yeah. doesn't have to be over. And I actually, so when I was 38, which I know is later in the thirties, but no, I, I'm 41, I'm 41, go on. <laughs> yeah, 30, right. We're still after 30. I'm almost 40. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I won, you know, like a raffle, I won free dance lessons. Mm. And I walked to a totally different studio. It was ballroom dancing, which was different than what I had done. And it was like I my soul like woke up. I came along like, oh my gosh, I'm home, I'm back. And I even have an episode on my show where I interview some folks from my dance studio who are in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s. And I just think it's a beautiful thing to be able to keep that passion in your life. Okay, guys, taking an ad break. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Tabs, you know how I absolutely love skincare. Like, it's absolutely my thing. I'm obsessed with products and especially if they are local and natural and, you know, superfood based and all the things. So there's this specific um, product line called Graydon Skincare and I use their berry cream. I use their like all over body elixir. It's just packed with good stuff. I don't know what else I can say about it because it's just so amazing. It's almost like you could eat it. Actually, you could eat the stuff. It's so good (laughs) you could eat it. Yeah. So anyway, the founder, her name is Graydon. I think her name is Graydon, Graydon Moffat. And she, I think she was a chef before she started creating this stuff. So anyway, their newest product, I love it because it has vitamin C. It has, it's a great brightening agent for me. It's called the Full Moon Serum. I love it. I love what you're saying. Yeah, I tried it too. So the Full Moon Serum is obviously a night serum and I'm pretty obsessed with it as well. I'm very impressed. So it reduces signs of aging. It's infused with vegan hyaluronic acid, which is very important to me now, I guess, even though I'm not vegan, we know that I'm huge into cheese, but also it uses botanical uh, retinol, which I recently found out through my book club that that's something that I should be using. So I was very excited to see that that was cool. included in this. So yeah, it's it's really great. And uh, guys, you can get 15% off uh, with code AFTER30 on all of Graydon Skincare. Enjoy! Amazing. 
I'm 41 now. And I remember watching my niece who is now 12 years old. And I remember watching her in a singing class. And I used to sing as a kid. And I remember seeing her and being like, oh, I wish I could sing like I'm too old for it. You know what I mean? Like thinking that you're right. It's always a part of us getting back into it. I think we have these frames of mind where we think now's not the time. It's I could do it later or I could do it another time. And then it just doesn't happen because you also have like this fragmented sort of thinking that it's, I'm a little too old for it. So mm, that's what I was kind of saying you know, before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like, totally. There's also this thing about how, as we get older, you know, we expressing ourselves creatively and having different creative outlets looks different. So that can be an avenue where we can sort of speak to our inner muse, but when our inner muse is silent, you know, it's just really thinking about that piece of how to awaken for me, how to awaken her again. If it's not being satisfied in one world, then can it be satisfied in another? Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I also think of like another guest that we've had on our show, her name is Paula. She has this company where um, people gather and, you know, they, they knit together, they eat brunch together, they do yoga together. So like, there's also like the idea of, I think as we get older, we get creative in relationship too. So like when you're with somebody, you get to do some fun things together. Like you have paint classes together or whatever it is. And I think that search um, is really cool. It's really yeah. cool. And when you find the people, like that comes back to your your previous question of how do you know what that thing is for you that lights you up? And often it's hard to find in isolation. You're not likely mm. to sit down at your desk and like figure it out. So, which is kind of sad the way the world is right now. But you know, if, if you have curiosities or things that are intriguing to you, go try it. I think you got to follow that crumb. You know, like, I think you got to pay attention to what you're thinking about and let it lead you, you know? And I think kind of how I approach any of my creative work too, that like, sometimes if I allow an act like an hour of time to just see where I'm interested, I'll create Mm -hmm. something. And and I don't really know where that's going to go. Thinking about even masterclass, you know, that incredible platform that they've created Mm -hmm. that especially in the pandemic has been a great resource. That one's interesting because if you don't quite know what you like, or you don't know what your muse is, they have everything, right? Like they've got music, they've got writing, they've got acting, Mm -hmm. gardening, like it's insane. And so I think if you go into something like that, that's a cool resource to see when you poke around, you know, right away, if you're really into something, you know, Mm -hmm. and so like, you know, maybe that can kind of help uncover that. And I love that. For me, that voice. So coming back to the muse, which as you know, is, Mm topic I love and my show called Inspired and Amused. That's the the muse is is what that's about. And that voice comes alive when you kind of hit that thing or that zone, that flow that you're in. Mm -hmm. And it gets very excited. It's very curious. Like the question is, what does that sound like and how do you connect to it? And I think too often we are so much better at listening to that other voice that's in our head. You know, Mm -hmm. the one that's like, critical and judgmental and cautious and questioning and you know like well yes yes that's not the muse that's not not the muse (laughs) oh my god 100 percent, sarah this is so interesting another thing about your inner muse is that the inner muse is extremely extremely specific to you sometimes i'll just come out with an idea 
And it will sound so weird, so weird that like the other part of me judges it. I'm like, oh my God, this is too, too out of the world. Like for me to even think about it, you know, for me, knowing that I'm on track and ways that I'm connecting to my inner muse is when I know that I'm judging myself. <laughs> to your yeah. point, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're totally. battling out. I can just see them listening out in my head, you know? <laughs> It's like, it's literally that, you know, and sometimes that happens with me and tabs too. You know, we talk about things all of the time and we're like, oh my God, is this too crazy? Is this too weird? Should we do it? And really, I think that's what our creative process is, even in collaboration, right? Is really harnessing, harnessing the extraordinary, I think. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's like, I think of the muses as part of the team, you know what I mean? Like they're there with you. Yes. Celebrating these ideas and saying, yeah, give it a try, you know, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I think is very cool is when I had my little guy, like when I'm playing with him, it forces you to let go of all of the stuff you're supposed to do. Even like as an example, how you're supposed to play a game, like none of that matters to kids, you know, and obviously these things sort of depend on how old they are, but I'm talking about a two and a half year old. They don't care at all, like the actual rules of a game. And so you just like, you, you need to like, I seem to be obsessed with this, like, let this other thing lead you in creativity. That seems to be such a a way for me, because I feel the same way with children. Like, let them lead it. And I feel like they remind us and they teach us how to be creative because they're just the purest (laughs) form and they're showing us how to do it. You know what I mean? And like, I think it's just like, you can learn from them. And then also if you can really get into that and get on their level, it'll inspire and ignite something like that in you. So so good. So good. I love it. One way that I look at that, see, to me, there's a, there's an almost spiritual or divine element to this if you'll go with me for a moment oh no I'm with you I'm tracking with you all the way yeah go on (laughs) and so that that inspiration the muse the ideas like I feel like that that flow of creativity is always there it's always out there for us to be able to tap into and those kids they just don't have as many you know walls and barriers excuses and hurdles that we have sort of piled on ourselves as adults. And so they just tap into it more easily than we do. <laughs> and you know what? We, I don't know where we learned this, but we had a guest at some stage, some incredible guest had said, told us to, about how around seven, eight, nine, they start to get so many external influences that then start to kind of infiltrate into their subconscious that that's when children start to second guess. That's when they start to, you know, think about self-image. That's Mm -hmm. when things start to change that way. So like even further to your point, it's younger than that. You know, it really is these children before like six or seven that um, Mm -hmm. have that real pure uninhibited creativity. True. It's so true. And very interesting that you speak to the spirituality component, Sarah, because even like in my training, because I'm training in psychotherapy right now, and I find it so interesting because part of our work is to facilitate how to unleash creativity in the client, right? And so what that actually means is like sometimes we're in places in our lives where we can't imagine beyond our current situation. It's the imagination just gets blocked, right? So part of psychotherapeutic work is about 
um, removing the barricades around the imagination so that a client can think farther into space. A client can imagine different things. Think of um, other coping mechanisms, how to resolve issues. That all requires um, a profound amount of work and a lot of imagination, right? And that's all that's all from like the creative space. So I really appreciate um, you speaking to that component for sure. Absolutely. No, for sure. And I think, you know, people have talked about this on my work and on my show as well, where when you do get into that flow or you're doing whatever the thing is that you're doing, singing or dancing or writing or coming up with ideas and you just feel like you're just in it, Mm -hmm. talk about it. Like it's, it's a divine experience. It's like being connected to something bigger than yourself. It's like, you know, it, it takes you to that other different level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh my God. What Guys, a great this note. has been such a good chat. I love how meta we got. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> me too. I like it. <laughs> it's good. It's really, really good. It's like, we talked about nothing, but we talked about everything. It totally feels like one of those conversations. Yes. Awesome. So beautiful. So beautiful. Okay. We like to bring the wrap question back to our guest and focus on them. How do you stay inspired, Sarah? So I, I thought about this and there's many ways, but I came up with my three D's. Oh, great. My three D's are dance, because that for me is my best chance of getting into that flow of tapping into that creative thing is through dance. So I love it. And even just, you know, if I'm not at the studio, just putting on music, dancing around and moving my body and people that sound silly, but I actually think silliness and movement and energy and all of that contributes just to totally um, agreed. My second D is dreaming. I'm a natural dreamer, daydreamer, thinker. So letting my brain walk down those paths that it, that it wants to go down. And sometimes I think people are always listening to something or watching something or, you know, being distracted by something and, and being willing to just have nothing and let your brain dream and go where it wants to go. That's a, that's a piece of it. And my third D, it's funny, we talked about kids, but my third D is actually my dogs. <laughs> I have two dogs and there's nothing like the dog to help you stay present. You know, if you're snuggling with a dog, you're not thinking about anything else. And also they make me sometimes do stuff that I don't think I would do if I didn't have them, right? I have to go outside. I have to take them for walks. I go places that I otherwise wouldn't go and I don't want to get off my couch, but I do it. And I can't tell you how many ideas and you know, creative solutions and things come while I'm walking my dogs. <laughs> oh, I love that. Change your Wonderful. environment, go outside, go for a walk, hop in the car. I don't know, but sometimes that helps um, trigger that inspiration as well. I really find anytime yoga is totally that for me, it's like any way to clear the mind, you know, like I'm not very good at meditating because I'll sit and I'll meditate. And then that's when my mind will just like ping, ping, ping with a million ideas. And I'm like, I don't think that this is meditating, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, this is not it. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. For me, um, I have a regular meditation practice. And so I actually have a very similar experience. I do get this ping, 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 but I, I've learned to know that I am, that is my personality. So the ideas come a little bit after all of that pinging, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'll wait a bit and it will be like maybe two or three minutes. And then 
it'll flow through and then I'll come out of the meditation a little bit more regenerated and I'll be able to bring ideas in that way. Another way that I stay inspired is I take hot showers and for some reason I get my best ideas in the shower. I know that's true for everybody, you know. I get my best yeah. ideas right, you know this, Denise, because I'll always yeah. tell her, which is like, this is so weird, but right before I fall asleep, like right before. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> and it's kind of annoying, right? Because it's like, I either have to like yeah. wake up and write it down or do something about it. It happens almost every night. It's so annoying. You have that gap, right? When you have a gap of enough silence and your brain stops doing all the other things that it's doing when suddenly there's that opportunity for that muse to come in. And I have to tell you this because with the show yes. thing, so I, one thing I've created and I would love to invite people to sign up for, it's called messages from your muse and it's on um, inspired and and one of the messages from your muse is about the shower thing. And so, <laughs> you know how sometimes great ideas come to you in the shower or maybe yes. people have mentioned things they came up with in the shower. Well, there's a reason for that. The routine yes. emotions, the deep breathing, the lack of distractions. It's one of my favorite places. So let's take advantage of it. I know this sounds a little weird, but I'll see you in the shower. Your muse. <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. I heard somebody say to me one time when I said, I get all of my ideas in the shower. Someone said to me, well, the water comes from the ground. So you're literally grounding when you're taking a shower. So it's obvious that you would get ideas from there. So you can take whatever you want from that. But I, I kind of believe that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this was so fun. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's great to have you. And we're happy to be on be on yours, this little cross group yes. podcast. That was super fun. Thank you for oh, having yeah. us, really. My pleasure, guys. It was a joy. I feel like I could talk about this all day. There's so much I know. here. But I when, the, when the world opens up, we will do it. We will do it somehow. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Sarah, again. 